Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the Habs top of the Blue Jacket. Has Samuel Montembeau played his last game in a Canadian's uniform? And can the Habs survive the rest of this week on a high note? All that and more inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 963 of Locked on Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. And as always, we are brought to you every single day of the week by the Locked on Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, or if you are watching this video on YouTube.com. I am, of course, one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined once again by the active stick, Laura Saban. Laura has filled in for me a few days this week because I have been, uh, as you can tell by the blanket wrapped around me, slightly under the weather as I recover uh, a little bit from some post-Thanksgiving illness, not COVID. But Laura, thank you so much for that. Uh, And we have a big episode planned for tomorrow, Thursday night, with a very special guest. Do we not? We do. Jerome Barobe. Uh, I keep calling him Jerome Barobe. It's Jerome Barobe. Uh, it's honestly like I have said this incorrectly like six times on this show. He's not going to come on the show. Like, and I have to host tomorrow. So I'm going to be introducing him and I'm going to be saying his name incorrectly. Anyway, if you want to know about hockey prospects, Scott, stop laughing at me. <laughs> Absolutely not. (laughs) If you want to know about hockey prospects, obviously we are getting close to December. The mid-season rankings usually come out in January. So it is a very busy time for hockey scouting. Uh, If you want to know about next, you know, this next crop of prospects, or if you have a specific player that you want to ask about, please send it to us in our mailbag questions. We will be recording it on Thursday night uh, around dinner time. So get your questions in as soon as possible. Lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. We put it out on on twitter.com or twitter or whatever at lo underscore canadians um and you can leave it in the youtube comments just say question for jerome or mailback question anything to do with prospects because he knows everything but we want to give him a little bit of a heads up so he can pull up his stats and his scouting reports um so let us know as soon as possible send us your prospect mailback questions asap 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 Yes, uh, we're very excited about that because World Juniors are right around the corner there and Subhabs fans have already kind of turned out the regular season and are looking ahead to uh, the draft and prospects playing in uh, the leagues in and around the CHL and abroad. So we have a lot that we're really excited about with that. But tonight, the opposite of what I can I can call exciting was this game between the Habs and the Blue Jackets, which after one period... After one period in which I described the game on Twitter as not one Sisyphus, but two Sisyphuses, Sisyphi, which if you're not aware with the the ancient myth of Sisyphus is he's a man who's punished to push a boulder towards the top of a hill, but never gets it to the top of the hill. It rolls back down and then he does it over and over and over again every day until he dies. And watching these two teams try to generate 
any sort of meaningful offense in this game. It's like, oh, we're, we're going to go down the ice here and try and score. Nope. Oh, we're going to go down the ice and try and score. Nope. It was both teams just trying to push that boulder up, score a goal. And for a while, it seemed like neither team was going to do that. Uh, Columbus strikes first on potentially one of the ugliest goals I think I've ever seen Samuel Montembo allow, in which Line a shot it, flubbed it, and then still went in the net anyways, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Alex Newhook. Line gets, was due. He was. <laughs> not that. Happy. Not that. But he was due. <laughs> yeah. And like, we're happy for Jay because we like Patrick Line on this podcast. We've advocated for trading for Patrick Line a lot on this podcast. Alex Newhook ties it up. Then Columbus scores on just a mess in the Canadians defensive zone, which we will get to a little bit here across this episode. Zach Wawenski makes it a two, one game Cole Caulfield. And this was a great play because Uri Slavkovsky is playing the best hockey of his NHL career so far. Spins scans, finds Christian Dvorak breaking out fit hits him with a pass. Dvorak doesn't rush anything, gets a shot, on Elvis Merzlikens, creates a rebound. He doesn't just bum rush the net, pokes it just enough loose that Cole Caulfield comes in, cleans up the garbage. It's a 2-2 game. And then both teams just kind of seem content to not do anything. And then late in the third period, another very good pl- passing play from everybody with Sean Monahan to Justin Barron to Mike Matheson. Matheson gets the shot off. Yol Armia gets a stick on it, deflects it past Merzlikens. That's your game-winning goal on the night. And then Gustav Lindstrom emphatically with a slap shot makes it 4-2 with the empty netter. Who would have thought? Here's the thing is I gave Gustav Lindstrom a lot of crap because they called it Matthias Norlinder. And it's like, why is he sitting if you're going to play Lindstrom, who has been terrible? I even said before the game, and I will keep the tweet up and I will wear this like a badge of stupidity, is that... Also, during the game in the group chat, don't forget that. It, it's the thing about it is he took the only penalty of this game. <laughs> and I, I looked at this and I go, I don't like the idea of Matheson Lindstrom because Lindstrom hasn't been good defensively. He's anchored everybody he's been with. And Matheson's been whatever it is this year. They had an, uh, Lindstrom ended the game with an 81% expected goals for, which is bonkers. He was one of the best players on the ice tonight. And sometimes I guess it's just the eye test does not match the stats test. And, you know, I am in, I have a preconceived bias that I don't expect much from Gustav Lindstrom in a game like this. And he's come out and put together a very strong effort in a game. I don't think it should, they should stick with that as their first pairing because for chunks of this game, I swear I saw Jaden Struble on the top pair with Mike Matheson, which Struble went from, Laval's second pair to the Canadian's top pair in a week. Five minutes. <laughs> a week. He got called up for the Ducks game on Wednesday last week. And a week later, he is on the he was playing on the Canadian's top pair, which is just not an ascension I saw for him when this season started. I liked him a lot, did not expect this. It's a good win for the Habs, who I think won most of the stats battles in this, but I I this is not an instant classic. Out of all the games that have been played, this was certainly one of them. <laughs> I'm just happy they they got a win out of this. And it not convincing, but convincing enough that it's not like, oh, it was a fluke. It's a good way to bounce back after getting your teeth kicked in by the LA Kings on Sunday. I think Saturday. one of the 
it was Saturday. Um, I think one of the things that is like the, the thing about this game is that there was still a lot of issues and a lot of mediocrity, but there were moments in the game when everything came together, people figured it out. Uh, there was chemistry, there was cohesiveness. And so I think that's kind of like a microcosm of a rebuilding team. And I would be worried if we didn't see those positive moments, but we are seeing them. Like there are a lot of games where it's like not much to write home about, but there are a lot of games, whether they're wins or losses, that you see moments, you see either stretches or shifts. Uh, you see what the potential of this team could be if uh, given some time and a lot of practice, right? And and that's the thing with this game is that I still see issues. They buttoned up some things. And like there, the, the plays where they scored goals on were crisp, clean breakouts, decisive passing, making prompt decisions, not waiting on things. And the goals against were... I have the puck on my stick in the defensive zone. I don't know what to do. Panicking. The defensive zone is a huge work in progress for this team. Samuel Montembeau was very, very good tonight. And for the Canadians, they're very lucky he was very good tonight because he he likely bailed them out. And not that I don't think Jake Allen or even potentially Caden Primo wouldn't have also been up to the task, but Samuel Montembeau probably saved the Canadians at least a point tonight with how well he played. They're not there yet. We will talk about the week at uh, remaining coming up in our last segment. But the thing is, they got to win. Take the positives that you learn from this one and build on that going into the next one. Defensively, team's not there yet. We didn't expect them to be. They're in progress. I want to take the good out of this game, though, because I don't want to be too negative about a win. It's not like they got outshot like 50 to 16 and one four two. They were probably the slightly better team for most of this game and got a deserved win. That's that's good enough for me at the season. They're back to 500. They have one less regulation win than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow. So there's <laughs> there's a stat for you, just in, in, in case. Like, yes, the Habs have won a lot in overtime. Uh, they're one regulation win behind Toronto in that category. And Toronto is the best of the best, et cetera, et cetera, depending on how you feel. Uh, so I'm going to take that as my positive going into this. However, now we are back into maybe not silly season, but speculation season. The Oilers sent three scouts to this game. We know they're looking for a goaltender. Were they looking at Samuel Montembeau? Cause if they did, they got a full night's worth. We're going to talk if that was his last game in a Habs uniform coming up in our next segment. But first, if you've ever had a hard time, just trying to find tickets for a game last minute, whether you want to go to a hockey game, you're looking for a concert that's in town that you suddenly have free time to go to, anything, game time is here for you because they have last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, and you can easily find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. And when you are looking at your seats, you can get the view from your seat so you know exactly what you are getting when you buy those tickets, and they have the lowest price guarantee. They have an event cancellation policy, job loss protection, and more all at game time. It is so easy to get exactly what you want through game time. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with the game time app. All you gotta do is download the game time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Some terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We are back here at Locked on Canadians. And remember, yes, 
I did want to say because I got so lost in the mispronunciation of his name. It's Jerome uh, Jerome Barube of HockeyProspect.com. He's director of of scouting. I did not mention that up front. Sorry, Scott. You were about to ask the listeners for questions for Jerome. Yes, I was. Uh, not Jerome, <laughs> um, unfortunately, <laughs> of Hooky Prospect. Um, but he will be on the show tomorrow. Please send us your mailbag questions, all prospect related stuff. We're, we're looking forward to having a great show with Jerome to get you into this weekend here coming up. There's so much prospect content coming up. World Juniors around the corner, midterm rankings. So if you have any questions, prospects you want to know more about, current prospects you want to know more about, tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. In our YouTube comments, just you know, put mailbag question, et cetera, like you do. You know the drill. And if you were new here, hi, hello, welcome, how you doing? And just tune in. You don't want to miss this episode. It's going to be great. So coming into this game against the Blue Jackets, it's everyone's kind of like, well, will they win? It's a, is it going to be a battle of the mid? It, it was a battle of the mid, unfortunately, in this game. But the the news was this: there were three people from the Edmonton Oilers at this game. Uh, the assistant GM, uh, director of goaltending, and there's one other name that I believe I am missing here off of it. But there were three prominent Oilers people in the building for this game in Columbus. We know they're looking for a goaltender. It, it, it's not. It's the worst kept secret in the NHL, short of Toronto would like to win more than one round at this point. Like, it's the worst kept secret. And Samuel Montembeau started tonight. And before the game, it was announced that Caden Primo is starting tomorrow night in Florida. I would have expected them to give Jake Allen that game and let Primo play Detroit like he had done last time, potentially. But it's Saturday night, so maybe they're giving... Uh, their veteran, the it the veterans probably going to get the start in Detroit. So I'm just kind of curious with this with these key pieces there from the Oilers uh, in Columbus to watch this game. They got to watch two goaltenders play pretty well. Elvis Merzlikens played pretty well for Columbus, and obviously Samuel Montembeau was great for the Canadians. The Oilers currently have a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cap space currently, and they're probably going to be looking to and rightly or wrongly, cheaply fill that goaltending void that they have. Montembeau's on, I think it's like $1.1 million a year. Caden Primo's on just over, I think, around 800000 And Jake Allen's obviously at $3.8 million. No matter what, the Oilers have to shift salary somewhere to make this work. If they're going to be sending Jack Campbell back, they're probably taking Jake Allen. Uh, but I'm assuming that they probably want Montembeau or Primo because that's what has come out that that is who they're most interested in. Which makes would, sense because they're both young goaltenders. Yeah, well, like Montembeau's, <laughs> what, 27, 28 at this point, and Caden Primo's not even 25. They're both cheap. Primo's got another year on his deal after this one, which probably makes him a little bit more longer term. Montembeau, they're obviously working at trying to get something locked up, but it's clear that the Oilers are heading towards, you know, the right split in the path and the Canadians want to steer them towards the Jake Allen one. And without a extension in place for Montembeau at this point, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I, I'm concerned we may have seen one of Montembeau's last games in a Canadian's uniform, which is a shame because he's been very good. I know that he had a rough first season with the wrist injury, was better last year, and has been very, you know, he's been great this year with all things considered. I don't think he's going to fix the Oilers. I'm looking at the Oilers right now where Connor McDavid appears to be mostly healthy and is just going to 
continue to paper over all the cracks in that team because they fired the wrong coach, et cetera, and got worse statistically, but McDavid is great. So <laughs> Laura, do you think we've seen Samuel Montembeau's last game or are we still thinking the Oilers are going to probably take Jake Allen because we don't think Ken Holland is a, a very good GM at this point? Well, we know Ken Holland is not a very good GM at this point. Uh, this was interesting because on the show yesterday with Jay, otherwise known as Not Matla, um, we were talking about this and Jay made the point that, you know, you and I have kind of sort of like summarized real quickly by saying the Oilers defense is non-existent. Um, you know, it's uh, a circus. It's, uh, you know, the words that I wanted to say uh, that we can't say on this family friendly podcast, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and Jay made the point that it's systemic, like this has been a system that has been in place with different coaches and different GMs. The Edmonton Oilers will sometimes bring in a good goaltender and that person's game will fall apart or they'll bring in serviceable defensemen. And then among the rest of them, like the, you know, like the bad defensemen don't get better. The good defensemen get worse and it's a system issue. And for whatever reason, they have not been able to fix that personnel is part of it. But the other part is just that their philosophy about this is probably just lacking. It's deficient. So Samuel Montembeau goes, goes to Edmonton. I don't know if his game is going to survive, and I don't want that for him. Yeah, like, I get that he's playing behind likely a worse defense in Montreal right now, which I think is very much the case. Like, this season so far, he's... Uh, let's see here. What's his stats this season? He is 5-3-1 this season. He's got a 9-10 save percentage, 2.73 goals against. Which is I'm good. going to look up the Oilers goalies right now. Um, Isn't Jack I, Campbell posting an 8-91 in the AHL? He was not good. Like <laughs> Edmonton Oilers stats. Let's see here. It's not pretty, is it? No, I'm hoping to see, oh my God, sweet, merciful Jesus Christ above. Their best goalie is Kelvin Pickard. He is 0-1 with a 2.94 goals against and an 891 save percentage. Stuart Skinner is 7-7-1 with a 3.31 goals against and an 876 save percentage. Jack Campbell is 1-4-0 with a 4.5 goals against and an 8.73 save percentage. They are... a Samuel Montembeau might as well be prime Dominic Hasek going there. Jake <laughs> Allen, who I think has like a 9.07 or 9.06 before his last game, would be miles better, leagues better. It would be like inserting prime carry price back into this lineup for them. Which is why it's like, I don't think the Oilers can really be picky. If the Habs are saying, you get Allen or you get nothing, you get a goalie who has a safe percentage that starts with a nine, or you keep gambling the future of the best player in the NHL on Stuart Skinner and a career backup slash AHL goalie. If they want Montembeau, pay through the nose for it. He's younger, he's better, he's cheaper, and he's likely going to get a decent extension from you out of this. You're going to pay through the nose for it. You're going to pay through the nose no matter what because everybody in the world knows that you're looking for a goaltender here. I don't think it's going to be Montembeau. I'm hoping it's not Montembeau just because I think he fits what the Canadians' current timeline is. And I look at this, you know, that Montembeau and Primo can get them to that next level when maybe... 
you know, Jacob Fowler comes through or Jakob Dobish graduates because he's taking that next step. Quentin Miller graduates there. Or maybe Caden Primo takes over there and he finally figures it out. It's Montembeau is the perf- in the perfect spot to be that transitional goalie for this team that when you know Primo is there and you go 1A, 1B, you slide him forward. But for right now, losing him feels like it's the wrong move unless you're expecting Jacob Fowler to go pro after the season, which I don't love that idea, but I don't run an NHL hockey team. So I will trust those in charge. Uh, Laura, do you have any parting thoughts before we head on to our final segment? Just, I want better for Montembeau than the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, I want better for Montembeau, like staying here and being our cherub faced goalie of the short to mid term. <laughs> I'm not going to say future because that, that ship has long sailed, hit an iceberg, and been brought up from the ocean floor at this point. So we're going to wrap up the show here. The Habs have two games left this week. We're going to see, can they make the most of this week after a disappointing end to last week? We're going to find out coming up in our next segment. But first, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors because passion, drive, and patience are what brings home the winning trophy and also what helps keep your ride-or-die vehicle alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to its peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you are looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not your cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Available only to United States customers. We are back. We are wrapping up in our final segment here. And remember, we have a prospect mailbag with Jerome Barube of Hockey Prospects. So tweet us your mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Tweet us. We want your questions. We want to be able to fill this show with as much information for you as possible, as always. Okay, so the Canadians last week got the, the poop kicked out of them to start last week. You know, they got beat up by Vegas. They got beat up by Boston. It wasn't great. Won two games in California. They beat the Sharks in a shootout. They beat the Ducks in regulation. Got their teeth kicked in by the LA Kings. Had three days off and have come into this week and beat the Columbus Blue Jackets in regulation 4-2. to two. They are playing the Florida Panthers on Thursday night, which Florida Panthers and Habs games get very stupid a lot. I'm kind of sad that Arbor Jacki is not healthy to play in this one. I assume Michael Pozzetta will go back into the lineup because everybody's nuts. We know Caden Primo is starting. And then on Saturday, they played the Detroit Red Wings, who are still kind of finding their way and just added Patrick Kane to their roster. He is not, I believe, good to go for game action yet, but has joined the team on a one-year, $2.75 million contract. I don't think he's going to be playing in that game on Saturday, but I've seen dumber and stranger things happen. It feels like the Canadians can end this week with a winning record. I wouldn't be opposed if they just went 1-1-1 right across the board and even split. They beat the Red Wings earlier this year. Caden Primo played great in that game. Canadians didn't look awful, not great, but looked, you know, decent. The Florida game is, I don't know. Florida can look like the best team in the NHL on one shift, and then the next period, 
fall apart completely. They were dominating Toronto last night and then fell apart. Toronto came back into it. Toronto wins in a shootout. The Habs are not Toronto, obviously, but these games, I throw logic out the window because every time these teams play, dumb crap happens. And that's the best way I can put it. We have going all the way back to Max Domi sucker punching Aaron Eckblad to Mackenzie Weger giving Paul Byron a concussion to whatever that 9-5 game was last year. Sam Bennett knees Jordan Harris. Everything everything melts down in these games. Uh, I feel bad for Caden Primo. He's going to be up against it. If he has a great showing, though, awesome. I expect the scouts that were in Columbus watching are probably following the Canadians on this trip here to get a look at I'd say everybody available in goaltending. Laura, what's your expectations for the rest of the week here? Like I said, if they split everything, if they end with a winning record, great. If they don't, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm never really sure what to make of Detroit against the Habs this season. It's it's also for me, Florida is like a, a big wild card because it could be, you know, 9-0 to Florida or it could be another one of those games where the Canadians win like 5-2. Uh, but I think with Detroit they're still a team that hasn't figured out its identity, even though they are further in the rebuilding process. So I always look at them as sort of something to learn from, but also something to take uh, some of the harder lessons from. I personally feel like it's going to be surprising. Either the Canadians are going to win both games or lose both games. Um, And uh, for me, all I hope is that there are no further injuries after that Florida game. That's my biggest, biggest hope. So uh, just looking at the the standings here, Detroit lost 3-2 to the Rangers tonight. Detroit is 11-7-3, sitting on 25 points with a plus 13 goal differential. The Canadians have played 22 games. They are 10-10-2 with a minus 14 goal differential there. Uh, and the Panthers are 13-7-2. They are second place in the Atlantic division there. Uh, they're still cruising along. They just got healthy. Uh, if their goaltending holds up, they should beat the Canadians in that game, but I I can't help but feel we're going to see a reversal that the Canadians are going to play a great game against Florida, potentially lose, and then lay an egg against Detroit. And Because they played a game, I think, last year that it sounded like they were broadcasting a funeral, basically, where nothing <laughs> was happening and everyone sounded bored. Uh, I If they can build on this, because then they have the Kraken next week, they have Welcome LA back, they play... Uh, the Sabres after that, there's not a lot of, I'm not going to call them gimmies or, you know, any kind of easy things on the schedule coming up. Seattle's struggling a little bit this year, but the Habs have struggled against Seattle. LA is great and they're coming to the bell center and they're probably gonna, you know, destroy what they did again. Like building, we, I've said it so many times on the show this year. Can you get your building blocks in there that even when you suffer a defeat, your foundation is still strong? There's a lot I still think needs to be fixed on this team. Josh Anderson is still a black hole. The defensive zone coverage is not great, and better teams are going to make you pay for that. Florida will make you pay for that. Can they take what they learned you know, against Columbus tonight, the good, and then fix the bad stuff in there? Uh, otherwise, I have a feeling the Florida game is going to be ugly gross stupid and bad and i don't think either of us really want that uh any parting thoughts for the night laura um send us your mailbox questions about prospects yes uh i am also checking uh twitter in the background just to make sure uh that a trade uh, hasn't happened while we were recording 
Yeah, there's too much other celebrating going on on the timeline right now to something completely unrelated. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, there is nope. There is nothing happening right now on the trade front, which means I'll probably wake up to a trade tomorrow morning while I am at home. So uh, we are going to sign off tonight for that. As always, tweet us your mailbag questions for Jerome at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matlin. When you are done subscribing to this podcast, wherever you get your daily podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, subscribe to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube, the first 24-7 national sports show. You're going to get all your local hosts like Laura and myself, plus our national shows all day, every day, 24-7. Subscribe at Locked On Sports Today on Twitter. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. And folks, we will see you all next time. 